0: Hello, and welcome to What's Wrong With Wolfie Discusses. This time, as you may have guessed from Rich's amazing artwork, we are sinking our teeth into Terminator 2, Judgment Day. In this sequel, set 11 years after the Terminator, young John Connor, the key to civilization's victory over a future robot uprising, is the target of the shape-shifting T-1000, a Terminator sent from the future to kill him. Another Terminator, the revamped T-800, has been sent back to protect the boy. As John and his mother go on the run with the T-800, the boy forms an unexpected bond with the robot. With me to embark on this journey through the masterpiece, I said the, sorry, this masterpiece <laughs> is two lovely gentlemen, the first being the man that the T-800 robbed his clothes from. He's Rich. <laughs> How you doing, mate? Wow, okay. Um... <laughs>
1: Kind of looking at that guy that the T eight hundred stole the clothes from. I never really considered myself to be, you know, <laughs> a, a bar table bum, you know, in, in a grim old bar. But yeah, I you know, know what you think little, about you, it. They've got one leather jacket yeah. as well, so yeah. Yeah, that's me screwed. Um, and the
2: scariest thing is that actor was probably our age now when they filmed that scene. Jeez, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit bad, and it? it's just like, whoa.
0: <laughs> um, and as you can hear, also joining us, dragged from the arcade from the mall. It's Chris. <laughs> Hello. What were you doing there, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> that's a very ominous <laughs> introduction, right, Jason. I know, right? I thought you'd enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. how, about, how are you both doing? All right? <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah good.
1: Good. Um, <clears throat> I feel like we should be calling this podcast, um, What's Wrong With Max? Because I think this is a bit deceptive.
0: Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're mis- 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 misleading. We're just trying to catch people out. And I know, right? I think that's a good idea. We might yeah. have to change it. We should. Um, so yes, as you can gather, uh, dear listeners, we are all in on Terminator 2 on this episode. But before we go anywhere else, we all need to find out what's in Rich's glass. Ooh. Well,
1: what's in my glass this week is exceedingly good. It Ooh. is uh, Mr. Sippling and it is <laughs> a, a Battenberg pastry salad.
0: <laughs> oh mate, that sounds amazing. Yep. That I don't usually like Battenberg so the cake. But the sour, I fantastic! I am a yeah. marzipan monster, I, so I love Battenberg. Yeah. I could eat marzipan out of a packet. Yeah, me
2: too. Yep. I used Very to beautiful. do that.
0: I used to do that as a kid. So I used to go to the yeah. supermarket, just buy a block of marzipan and just eat it. Yeah, because I just love my pan that much.
1: Uh, I don't yeah. know. I just, I just think it's like a, a shit fondant. That's
0: what, that's what I think of marzipan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh like God. it. Well, I, I think it, um, it's better than, than fondant. fondant. Um, but um, okay. Well, what, what's your opinion on your Battenberg uh, mm. beer, Rich?
1: Well, other than exceedingly good, mm-hmm. um, I would probably give it a score of, hmm, I'd say a nine point one.
0: Oh wow! I, by the sounds which of is, it, I wasn't expecting such a high score.
1: Which is appropriate, really, because you know this is we're closing at the year ninety-one. So, um, Oh, you know. no,
0: that's here we go now. Yep,
1: didn't even plan that.
0: Just. <laughs> I thought it's going to give it like out of like T800 or something. Oh, I should have actually yeah, <laughs> should not you?
1: Is it is it a Terminator 2? Is it a uh, is it a Genesis? Was... Yes. <laughs> oh, I should have said God. that as well. Or was it a dark fate. That's, we, that's, that's the sound. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> we yeah. need to rewind. <laughs> we should. <laughs> we need to rewind and do this whole section again. Yes. But we're not. <laughs> okay. Um I'm still uh thinking about your unicorn beard that you had on the last show. Mm. For some reason, I don't know, it's just stuck in my head. I yeah, think I need to good, get a that. can. That was good. Okay, well, more to more serious things. Um, guys, Terminator 2. Why Why do you think this film um, is... I don't know, like, why is this film looked back on in such high regard? Um, I
1: think a lot of it was... I kind of look at this film in the same way as i kind of look at also james cameron's aliens mm-hmm. whereas like with the first alien being like an all-out claustrophobic horror the original terminator was very much kind of almost a slasher in a way and like yeah sarah connor was like she, well, she was the first but she's also like the final girl it was that kind of film it was just mm-hmm. the pursuit this one much like aliens just went all out Massive scope and just action. Chuck Dog some humour in them. there. Yep, even John's mum was in that film as
3: well.
1: That was problematic. <laughs> yeah, bit too much bronzer in that, in that uh. role. But, yeah. Um, yeah, this film's just... I think for me, what stands out about this film, this is probably one of the first ones that I really recall watching at a young age. A film that I shouldn't have been watching at the yeah. time. for mm-hmm. exactly The Violence. The the bad language and yeah i mean the fact it's wrapped up in a nice little sci-fi bow as well it's not like just watching any other action film it's got this fa- most you know, fantastical element to it it could be like a saturday morning cartoon mm. time travel and robots and wars and it's just it has all the elements i think at a young age you love but it's mature and yeah it's it's a amazing film it really is
0: it's um although with the story itself it's quite an easy watch in some ways isn't it
2: yeah, well, oh, on yeah. my rewatch i find exactly the same you, know, you think i'm watching a few years and then you're like hang on a minute like you, you know you just think to yourself i swear there was more to this does that make sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when you revisit something like this, yes as influential as it was and game changer and again it's a lightning in a bottle it's a perfect time perfect everything for this film to happen And then I found myself coming away and going, I swear there was like more body to it. But that kind of worked in its favour where it wasn't as convoluted, bloated, spectacle. Mm -hmm. It was a simple plot with some paradoxical time travel storytelling. And yeah, just, it's just a, yeah, it's just more simplistic when you think about it narrative wise. Whereas compared to Back to the Future Part Two, where it's just literally a complete mind mindfuck <laughs> yep. of paradoxes and back and forth and back and forth, this kind of, kind of,
0: it's quite straight, isn't it? Really? Yeah. You know, it's very. You very don't really have to think about it that much.
2: No,
1: I know. it's not to say it's like a you know a dumb not your brain of film it's just no, I've been mean, watching it again for this podcast like I haven't watched it in a good couple of years but I just felt familiar straight away yeah you felt each beat by beat by beat you remembered what the next scene was you thought, okay this is familiar and you just kind of went along with it nothing drags nothing goes mm-hmm. on too long and I guess every that's... scene just kind of breathes and it just yeah. it's just a
0: fast little film it's mm. and I guess that's testament to the writing I guess
2: yeah absolutely yeah, it just it doesn't... Like I say, it's not this bloated, convoluted film. It's just a very steady narrative and it tells the story it needs to tell and doesn't get too complicated.
0: Mm-hmm. So the opening scenes of the film, I think they do a really good job So of um, explaining the situation that we find ourselves in if you hadn't seen the, the original Terminator, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they lay it all out in a couple of minutes... And, and you kind of already feel like you you know you know what you know the basics of what's happening and what you know what might be going forward to try and stop uh, Skynet and everything else from happening. Um, and I feel like they did a really good job of like going from that opening scene of like the the road into the um, into the into the war. With the, with the cyborgs and the humans mm-hmm. um, and it was very smooth for all of a sudden you know the two big metal bars just went yep. like that and then yeah, you're, yeah. you're you're in the, the normal world and all the lightning starts and then you get naked Arnold <laughs> <laughs> yeah the tra-
2: yeah the transition is just beautiful yes. and then you get hit in the face with that massive metallic trum- yeah. <laughs> You're in. Boom! There it is. Time card.
0: And I think that gives you an idea of what's what's to come. You know, you, yeah. you, you can already see the the uh, the scope and the mm. um, the ideas that are going to come from from the rest of the film from that opening.
2: Yeah, you can almost tell that Jim Jim Cameron was told, "Yeah, you can do what you want now." <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely like a film that. <laughs>
1: It's definitely like a film that just bares its teeth. It's like yeah, this is yeah. just gonna kick ass. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, a more recent example, but that's what I loved about um, Mad Max Fury Road. It's very mm. similar. How like the title card just goes poof into the screen, You hear, like the revving engines and the fire, and it just like it just yeah. chucks you into the title of the movie, and it's just that it just says, you yeah, this is gonna be a ride. This is just mm. going to kick your ass. Yeah, you know, whether it's no five or fifty-five, it's just going to be
0: badass. Sure, uh, and this is not a film that's going to take twenty to thirty minutes to get going. No, we're, we're off from the start. No. no. Um, so then, obviously, we see Arnie going into the bar, um, in you know, showing his, showing all his glory, if you like, <laughs> and um, uh, pr- pursues a, a nice little bar scene, uh, which he managed to scope some lovely looking clothes, uh, a nice bike um a, a, a nice shotgun and some groovy shades um and then he's off to find john connor um now we find John Connor in um foster a foster parent's house because uh Sarah Connor has been committed to a mental hospital mm. um guys yes. if you were a foster child and you'd be given these parents as their foster Foster parents. When you made some kind of complaint, when you, would you not be, you know, how, how the hell did they become foster parents? I think Mum was all right, but I think Todd
1: was a bit. Of, I think it was Todd, wasn't it? The dad. He's a bit of a ditch, yeah. yeah, just did kind it, of sitting yeah. there watching boxing, yeah. just that, smoking.
2: That and classic and... smoking, drinking, layer belt, nineteen eighties,
0: nineties trope of a. Sure. I, I suppose in some ways, then you know, you didn't feel much sadness when he actually got what was given to him a yeah. bit later on in the film.
1: I just think it's sad that, like, the T-1000 th- the, uh, the T1 was actually a better foster mother.
3: Like, yeah. <laughs> she seemed all yeah. right. She was like, just
1: come home, you know, have, you have your dinner. It's your favourite, you know. Sure, yeah. Just, she seemed really lovely. And, she did, uh, didn't she? And she didn't put up with Todd's shit, you know.
0: She <laughs> no, her, you know? yeah. 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 Arms straight through the mouth
2: and the throat.
0: <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, John Connor and his mate, they bugger off um, to nick some money out of a cash machine with his little computer gizmo and um, <laughs> go, go, go and spend it all in the arcade. Sounds quite a nice afternoon, actually. Um, but in the meantime, the T-1000 decides to make an appearance and pretty much shows what, what's to come from him straight away with mm. um, killing the policeman and nabbing his car. Are you the legal guardian of John Connor? That's right, officer.
3: What's he done now? Could I speak with him, please? Could if you were here. He took off on his bike this morning so he could be anywhere. Do you have a photograph of John?
2: Yeah, sure, hold on.
3: You gonna tell me what this is about?
2: I just need to ask him a few questions.
3: He's a good-looking boy. Do you mind if I keep this picture? No, go on. There was a guy here this morning looking for him, too. Yeah, a big guy on a bike. Has that got something to do with this? No.
0: I wouldn't worry about him. Thanks for your cooperation. Let's talk a little bit about the cast before we go any further. Um, four main characters in the film, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll start with Arnold. Why not? Um, is there much to say about Arnold um, Schwarzenegger? Um, oh, nickers That's the one.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I feel
0: like with Arnold and Robert Patrick, they probably got the easy ride in this film. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Especially Robert Patrick, I think. S- uh, script-wise, yeah. anyway. Yeah.
1: Didn't they say about with Arnie's dialogue? Apparently, like if you take what he earned for making this film, apparently, like saying "Hasta la vista, baby" cost like eighty thousand (laughs) dollars. I (laughs) have a. I was like, hell yeah, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. best job ever. Like, yeah, I thought I had a, I thought I had a a trivia thing on that, but I don't. I did read that though. You're right, he did. Um, <laughs> his words cost a lot of money. I think. What's so the going he, rate? What's the going rate for you know, a chill out dick quad? I think. Yeah, he got paid fifteen million dollars, didn't he, for this Jeez, film? Jeez, ninety one mm. as well. Yeah, that's a lot of money. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he he knows what he's doing. He's he's already played the Terminator from the first one. Mm. It's 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 easy hat for him, really, isn't it?
2: Yes, yeah. But I just I just want to say, like, the amount of charisma that he and Robert Patrick both into these parts like especially Robert Patrick it's almost as if they gave the T1000 of the motion chip yeah you know like Data got one you know, it's yeah it's very similar because you look at Arnold's first Terminator and it's very very straightforward like mm. no charisma at all because it's not supposed to be but in this one obviously John Connor's personally reprogrammed this this T800 to send back So he's going to have sort of character traits, I suppose, that John would find more acceptable, to warm to him more. Mm -hmm. And when I was watching this the other night, I was amazed at how much charisma Robert Patrick was allowed to put into this part. The sly smiles Mm. and the glances that he gives, especially when he's asking people, have you seen this boy? And he says, he brushes something off, says, oh, yeah, no problem. And it's, it's so charismatic. He thinks to himself, that is a perfect blend if you were gonna create a mm. robot a time travelling robot to blend in is showing charisma, showing emotions, a bit of humour, a bit of wit, and you think you forget that he is a Terminator, a robotic terminator, you forget.
1: I mean yeah, you juxtapose that with like the first film, I mean like when Arnie was going door to door looking for Sarah mm. and she he was just killing people that yeah. Yeah, that had the same name. <laughs> mm. And you've got the T one thousand who's obviously going door to door looking for John goes yeah. to the foster home and yep. yeah he's just that nice local police officer and he says about oh he's, you know, he's a he's a good looking boy and all that it just yeah he, he lulls you in the full sense of security and i think that's what made him so chilling yeah it's just like that head down run that <laughs>
2: yeah, scared
0: just, every kid our
2: age at that yeah. time yeah but, but he, yeah it's just
0: so i don't know he, he kind of picked and chose who he killed as well though didn't he because mm. like yeah. some you uh some got away uh, quite, quite thankfully, and then some mm. just just got a dagger in their eye.
1: Yeah, poor coffee machine cop. I felt bad Yeah, him. yeah, and yeah. his, and his yeah. twin
0: brother from the Gremlins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Gremlins two wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, that, that I guess that covers Robert Patrick as well. I guess then, um, but, but I mean, obviously, as Arnold carried on with his career and still made a few good films after this, Robert Patrick kind of just seemed to go into TV more, didn't he? He turned um, up in the X Files fifteen years Dog ago. It. <laughs> <laughs> he was um,
1: I wasn't he in um, oh, what was the film again now? Um, Walk the Line, wasn't he? Like Johnny Cash's dad, isn't it? Oh, Wayne's World, well, of course he was. He playing uh, <laughs> <laughs> Play, playing, playing the
2: parody of that film. Did they Have pull you like you a proper seen this boy?
1: <laughs> they pulled like a proper, you know, like when South Park, Big and Long Run and Cart, like managed to make like uh a um, Phantom Menace joke the same year. Yeah. Didn't Wayne's World basically pull that with Terminator Two? It was like basically pretty much within, within like, the year,
2: a, the year of itself. And it's yeah, like Coppola's Wayne over, and he just do no, Have you seen this boy? <laughs> and he screams, <laughs> and it's just like the most insane, random parody cameo oh, that I think I've ever seen. And it's played with just such seriousness, and you just like what? <laughs> yeah, no, it's brilliant. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever.
0: But <laughs> well, that's Wayne's World for you, though, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, we also had Lindall. 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 Wow. <laughs> Lindall. <Little. laughs> <Yeah>. Lindall. Lindall <laughs> <Lindle> Hamilton <laughs> um, playing uh, reprising her role as Sarah Connor, but Badass. this time, like, I mean, I feel like this is the, one of the um, one of the big things about the film because, especially if you watched the first one, she was very homely. Um, mm. and, you know, cutesy and just like a normal mum uh, person. But in this one, she's just gone completely in the opposite direction. She seems like this, like, hard nut, like, yeah. gun fanatic um, soldier. And jacked oh, yeah. to shit. That as well. bit when oh, oh, yeah. she comes out of the trailer. Oh, um, yeah. So she's got, like, the, the, the hat cap on and, yeah, the right and the yeah. sunglasses. Ah, yeah.
2: Right. yeah, bulletproof vest and, yeah.
0: And she knows what she's doing with that. With that, um, with those weapons, mm. yeah, you know that turned a few teenage girls.
2: You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just it, just it. <laughs> absolutely. Um,
0: but yeah, this was obviously like with um, to the the T eight hundred, where obviously they switched roles, and he was now the good Terminator. They come to protect John Connor. Um, this was yet again another just complete massive like turnaround for the character, and it made her f- seem so much more interesting because mm. um, you didn't really. I think she, if they, yeah, if they I think if they kept the character the same as the first one you kind of knew what to expect mm-hmm. and she wouldn't be that interesting would she but yeah. the, the way that they've done it with, with Sarah Connor in this film like you just you just didn't really know what to expect from her
2: it's, no. it's just the way it's set up isn't it like she's witnessed this in 1984 and realised hang on a minute this, this is real this is going to happen we need to change and be ready basically well, which explains massive like you know
1: um, PTSD as well I mean yeah. big time it's yeah. just like yeah she's completely scarred yeah justifyingly paranoid mm. I mean it's a bit later on we won't go too far ahead but there's a the bit like with um the t 800s uh cpu you know, when Yeah, when she's got the hammer and she's just yeah. like <laughs> twitchy she's just like I don't trust anyone still everything's changed yep. compared to my last mm-hmm. encounter with him but yeah uh, she's on edge the whole time um yeah I don't know
0: and but rightfully so, you know, I mean, for what she knows, what's going to happen. Mm. Um, I think I probably would be too. Whether I turn into like some muscle, uh, <laughs> <laughs> muscle <laughs> weapon machine that's just scared, not scared of killing anybody, I don't know. But you know, I, emotionally, i will probably be with her. Yeah.
1: yeah, completely.
0: And the last one really was Edward Furlong, his <laughs> first major film. How the do last. you feel? How do you feel about the, <laughs> oh, the casting of this? <laughs>
2: Um, over the years I've gone to myself this dude cannot act he's he's good he's right (laughs) he's good but he's not Mm. and he's annoying but -mm. he's also charming it's just such a strange balance of acting and personality that I just can't even crack it What,
0: what what do you find annoying about him
2: voice yeah it's it's, yeah it's a mixture of that and i i I really don't know you know when you just get vibes off of people and no disrespect to edward furlong no one like that just i found it really odd this time on this rewatch to to actually pay attention and get sort of sucked into his character Mm -hmm. i found it really hard to like I don't know if it's inconsistencies in the performance or, or well, I what. I just don't know. Yeah.
0: I mean, like at the beginning of the film, he seems to come al- across as a bit of a dick, mm. doesn't he? But I mean, like, yeah. um, but then after he's been chased by the Terminators and like, he's been rescued, he doesn't seem that much of a dick.
2: No, he, the character arcs really well done.
1: He does put in some really good moments in the film because mm. there's the bit when they. Um, rescue uh, Sarah from the, uh, you know, psychiatric hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're being pursued. And she basically just kind of scolds him for mm. coming after her and putting himself in danger. And, like, you really feel for him. Like, he puts in a really good performance. Like, he looks yeah. really pained yeah. and hurt. Like, I did this for you. You know, I hated you for so long thinking <clears throat> you are in that case. And now I've tried to help you, Mum, and you just basically told me, you know, basically to fuck off. Like, <laughs> and he just, he looks really hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and he sold it like and that could easily be in quite a cringy scene a bit over the top but he has moments where he does really well so and I've, i think i've i mean this most recent time i've watched it i've actually kind of warmed him a little bit more yeah um when his voice isn't breaking and he's squealing yeah. and because didn't they adr a lot of his dialogue i'm as well, pretty sure gonna i
2: was gonna, I was gonna drop, say didn't? that i'm sure they adr'd Uh, Voice actor.
0: I have got a trivia point about this exact point. Jason's trivia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Most of Edward Furlong's voice had to be redubbed by Furlong again in post-production because (laughs) it changed during shooting. Mm. His young voice is left intact only in the scene where he and the Terminator are talking about why people cry because James Cameron wanted it to sound dramatic and thought it was better if Mm. left intact
1: they a Terminator. Like it
3: just, <laughs> like, it's like nine, the classic Simpsons show, isn't it? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and I think
0: they had to do the same thing with his height because as he was growing, he was getting taller. So they had to figure out ways um, in the scenes to make him shorter again. Otherwise. How long were they filming this? <laughs> I, I didn't know about that one. Jesus. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Man. I'm not making that up. I'm Crazy. sure I read that one. Jeez. You can call me on that if you want. There it is. <laughs> I got a tribute for you, it. There you go. It. I won't make it up. up. Production <laughs> took su- su- sufficiently long um, that Edward Furlong visibly aged during the shoot. He is clearly much younger in the scene in the desert, for example, than in other scenes. Um, his voice began to break and had to be pitched one Jeez. one level in post production. He had also grown so tall over the months that for one scene shot late in the production schedule, he had to stand in a hole in the ground in order to maintain continuity in height difference with Linda Hamilton.
2: That's nuts. I actually had no idea about that. To be
0: that dramatic on screen as well, like you wouldn't know yeah. some people moving around
1: like that's, I mean, He must have really just like shot up. Big mm. time.
3: Oh sorry, excuse word, Sorry. After <laughs> <laughs> where, where where he's like. He's
1: uh, well. sorry. That wasn't uh, Trust Richard <laughs> to bring back down again. eh? Hey? Generally sorry. didn't mean that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Edward.
0: <laughs> uh Terminator 2 was released on the 16th of August 1991 in the UK and on July the 3rd in the US. Um it had 102 million million as its budget. But the worldwide gross was 520 million dollars Jeez. so I feel that he definitely <laughs> made the money back on that one on well, our rating as well, I mean,
1: this is probably one of those films I imagine the distributor was probably like, well, the studio was proper twitchy about
0: putting that much money into a budget as yeah. well so I, think went, it oh. sta- I think it started around 60 million and then it went up to like 88 um, <laughs> and then ended on 102, but it was a gamble that paid off in the end.
2: Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah,
1: geez. Yeah, big time.
0: Uh, Terminator 2's got an 8.5% rating on IMDb mm. and a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's how highly regarded it is in the, uh, the filming industry and in fans. Four Oscars was won for Terminator 2 in 1992, including taking home the trophies for Best Sound Effects Editing, Best Sound, Best Makeup, and Best Visual Effects. No surprise there, really. Yeah, no, no, that was like the <laughs> dawn of it, wasn't it? I mean, it was yeah. like
1: mm-hmm. this film and that one episode of a uh, young Indiana Jones, wasn't it? Where it's like CGI <laughs> yeah. came. Yeah. It was like, yeah. What was it? It was like stained glass thing, wasn't it? In, in no, it's young, it was young,
2: young Sherlock Holmes.
1: Young Sherlock Holmes or Indiana Jones? Sorry.
2: And then yeah, then it's that, that inspired this, and then this inspired Dennis Murren, Murren to do Jurassic Park, and then the rest is, yeah. as I say, history. Yeah.
0: Um, so we we left off. Um, and I feel at the uh, uh, john at the um, in the arcades in the mall and um, uh, the Terminators have found him and uh, so starts one of the biggest scenes of the film i think mm-hmm. where um, the t1000 starts chasing him around the back of the um, the mall um, Arnie find, finds him and uh, a shootout happens and this is the first time that you see the t1000 get shot and then you see those. Holes where the bullet went Mm. through him, and um, it was a great uh, effect at the time. I feel out of all the special effects of the film, maybe this one has aged a little bit more because now Mm. you you can probably quite easily see that they've just taped it onto his shirt.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's the thing with Blu-ray, and like you can just see it just sort of wobbling around on the on the Mm -hmm. on the costume. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the way it was the way they did it as he was moving, sells it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he has to time his moving. movements yeah. with, with the shot. Yeah.
0: Um, mm-hmm. And I guess they had to edit that quite carefully mm. um, for his movement to go back and then to put the 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 effect on his shirt. Yeah. So so for that sense, it was probably quite complicated, but...
2: Mm. It's all that classic um, sleight-of-hand movie-making. Um, and I, Where you have the shot from the back, filmed from the back. Yeah. You see the reaction, and then the shot for the front. He's already got the uh, prosthetic on, and he's coming back forward. Yeah. yeah. It's just that, that perfect, you know. Cut, uh, jump cuts. Is it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, um, I mean, I do prefer it in some ways. I mean, now if Terminator Two was made, I mean, obviously it would all be CGI centric um, whereas still you know effects this this film was one of the first to really I don't know advance the effects in films mm. yeah. um, but I can still appreciate the fact that they still used like physical items to to create the effects in some parts
2: yeah totally. that's that. it's just like the the puppet work that Stan Winston studio built like full-scale Torso's of the endoskeletons, and just like fully articulated skulls, moving eyes, hydraulics in the jaws, and I just want to talk a minute about that that glove rip that the T eight hundred does. where he says, I just yeah like halfway through Mm -hmm. says I want you to listen extremely closely, and he just shows you know the the skeleton um thing obviously done on his arms behind him and you've got the animatronic arm in front and it's just it's just so amazingly done and it's flawless and every time I watch it it's so fluid those those metallic hydraulic tendons in between the fingers the joints and the way the wrist moves and the fingers clench and do that whole movement it's just Mm. even now I watch it and I'm just like wow yeah like they properly pulled out Every single trick in the book for this film. Um, and
0: and it was worth it. Yeah. 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 And uh, it
2: sells it like I've I've been a proponent of miniatures and puppet work f- forever because it's real. You got yeah. react- reactive light, so wherever you've got the green screen effects or the match shots, the lights doesn't quite match up. So your brain tells you the whole uncanny value but in your brain goes, That's not right. But if mm-hmm. it's a physical puppet on set, it's got reactive light reactive everything and it's just it's sublime especially with that like you know gooey blood residue on there as well it just sells it even more mm-hmm.
0: yeah um so yeah they um finally make a an escape f- an, on john's bike well john makes an escape on his bike and the t1000 chases after him uh finally manages to get himself into a lorry um, the T- T-800 is uh, obviously a bit behind on, on his uh, stolen motorbike. But the, uh, the film kind of just progresses through on this chase into the uh, viaducts of Los Angeles, I believe, isn't yes. it? Um, where we see, I guess, one of the biggest stunts of the film. Because they actually did yeah. this stunt where they, they they drove the lorry off the side of the road and then down into the viaduct.
1: Mm. I just love the build of that scene where like John kind of stops and he kind of looks over his shoulder and you get that slight pause and it hangs for a second. It kind of reminds yeah. me of like the bit from Speed, you know, the bus jumps. Mm-hmm. Just kind of that moment of silence and then it just kind of, and then there's like a release and then it's yep. just this like, just Boom. spectacular <laughs> yeah. moment. And it's just, it, again, going back to the, the effects, you know, that discussion, you can't match that and it's not like some snobby thing, but... It will always look better than mm-hmm. any visual effect they can try nowadays. I don't care how much they try.
2: No, it's not and possible, is it? And that's why I love directors like, again, we could do it again, John Favreau, mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan, these directors who are going back to real stunts mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. real miniatures because, like, like we said earlier, it's reactive light, it's your brain tells you it's real, and... And even the, the James Bond movies, Die Another Day, non-inclusive in this, they will always use miniatures and real <laughs> sets and real stunts, <laughs> not a kite-surfing tsunami.
1: They're common now. The Pierce Brosnan did that. You take that back. That happened.
2: <laughs> I just wish Eon would take that back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so, yeah, we're watching the, uh, the lorry weave its way backwards and forwards through the or side to side, sorry, um, as he's trying to chase John Connor. Where, whereas the uh, the T eight hundred is finally caught up and um we, we we see the first um of his amazing one handed shotgun loading technique. Yeah. Um it was quite cool actually. Yeah. Uh, did did any of you try and recreate it? No.
1: After apparently hearing what they did.
2: Yeah. Was you I tried it with like, you know, you get toy shotguns and stuff and um
1: I, I could never do it it was really really cool but apparently like arnie paid quite the price for that didn't
0: he uh yes i feel like i've got a um a trivia for that for the los angeles river sequence Arnold Schwarzenegger was in pain because he could not wear a glove while cocking the gun so his fingers would get stuck in the mechanism he tore Ouch. the skin from his fingers and hands many times before he mastered it and he frequently hit Edward Furlong with the gun while doing it. Uh, <laughs> one, one time almost knocking the young actor out. Can't blame him. <laughs> he, had to, <laughs> he, had, he had to achieve all of this while trying to act and control a Harley Davidson at the same time as James. Jeez. as James Cameron told him where to look. He could not dart his eyes either because it would have ruined the shot. Shooting the gates also took weeks of practice because he had to also act cool while doing it.
1: The fact he was the one that did that is awesome. He like yeah. wasn't just some guy in shades, you know. It's, yeah, fair play to him. That's some proper Tom Cruise, you know, yeah. attitude there. Like, just, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just throw me in there.
0: So um, we, we, we enjoy this um, little... Um, car chase, lorry chase, bike chase, whatever it is, until and then they they rip off the roof of the lorry because he drives under one of the bridges, Mm. uh, which was also an immense scene. It was Mm -hmm. just so awesome to see. Um, But in the end, um, Arnie manages to um, to, uh, blow his tyre. Did they blow his tyre or something? And then the the lorry crashed and then blew up. And yes. they thought, yes, we've got him sorted. And then this was the first time that you actually really saw what the T-1000 was made of. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he walked out of the out of the flames in all his silver glory before he uh, returned to Robert Patrick. And there was like, shit, we better go on.
1: <laughs> A little bit missing that joined his foot as well. I thought that was quite sweet. Yeah. That was just sort of the hot shots part of the thing was Sam Hussein and his dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the best, the best parody of that That's moment. Just great. <laughs> this
2: time they're dicks with the wrong dictator. <laughs> Sam Hussein with the little dog, dog's nose and whiskers. It's, and it's much <laughs> yeah. uh. so most um, absurd
0: Sorry. So yeah, they drove they drive off and uh, pull over. Jo- um, John needs some time out.
3: Now, don't take this the wrong way. But you are a Terminator, right?
0: Yes. Sabadine Systems Model
1: 101.
3: No. Oh, shit. You're really real. I mean. Oh. You're like a machine underneath, right? But sort of alive outside?
0: I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton.
2: Rip John, okay,
3: um, you're not here to kill me, I figured that part out for myself, so what's the deal? My mission is to protect you. Yeah? Who sent you? You did.
0: 35 years from now, you reprogrammed me to be your protector here, in this time. Oh, this is deep. They cut to the next scene, all of a sudden it's gone into nighttime. time. I was a bit thrown away by that, like all of a sudden one, one morning it's day and then they cut boom, and then it's just nighttime. I'm like what they've been doing in that time. you know they've been talking that long <laughs> but um, th- this was obviously this is obviously the most important scene where they uh, John decides to call home mm. and to find out how his foster parents are doing, and obviously the greatest line in the f- whole film ever was uttered in this in the scene. obviously what's wrong with Wolfie?
2: Um, Not your foster parents are dead. Yes. <laughs> well, you know. that, that was our original idea for the podcast. Yeah. file wasn't it? <laughs> That might get flagged up on a few. That <laughs> oh,
0: certainly would have got some attention, I guess, wouldn't it? Your foster parents are dead. A new <laughs> podcast? <disgusting. laughs> uh, yet again, no, it was um, a, a quite a defining scene when we find out that the T1000 can actually shapeshift into and look like other people which mm-hmm. is something we just mm-hmm. learned in this scene um and the fact that he can actually shape his arms into weapons uh which which uh, are quite dangerous as todd found out
2: yeah
0: um
2: but not complex machinery until Terminator 3 anyway oh, God.
0: Jumping. Yeah, we're, we're not talking about Terminator 3 <laughs> no, well we happen, might do i don't know um so, what happens next? they decide to go and rescue Sarah Connor. What did you think of the 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 whole scene in the um in the mental hospital?
1: Yeah, it was really really cool um so what was, it, that scene stays with me for a really weird reason, you know, when she's got the uh, the doctor like hostage, yeah, and I was just saw how painful there must be being marched around with a syringe stuff in, in the, the arm like, yeah kind it's, it's, like, uh, yeah. it's just like. Uh, it's all the violence in that film and that's the bit that makes me (laughs) the most because you just know it's like just pin you know pin pricked in there and it's just swirling around as he's moving and it's just like yeah and you just uh, you can just
2: imagine what it's like to have a needle like two inches into your neck yeah and just what that must feel like to move around with that (laughs) moving around in there yeah it's just a horrible thing to imagine
0: you you know if it was you or me like mm-hmm. you know, that they would be all over the shop. it would have gone in? It would have gone out. Oh, it would have yeah. like scraped his skin. Probably yeah, would have yeah. stabbed him in the chin. Um, I probably would have pushed the plunger a little bit and just injected some anyway. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so um, I have kudos, kudos Rock to credits. Sarah. Yep, definitely for uh, for managing to keep that pr- perfectly still through that very stressful scene. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I have yet another piece of trivia for this section where uh, where Sarah was trying to um pick lock her way out of the door from her cell um and uh, Lin- Linda Hamilton um actually learned to pick locks for the scene oh, really? um so what what sh- what you're seeing is her you know actually picking the lock from sh from where she would taught herself to do it nice excuse me which i guess again just you know, i guess you wouldn't really um Make much difference to the viewer, I guess, does it? But I mean, just those little tiny bits mm. just adds that little bit more to the to the to the realism bit of, of the film. The letter, yeah. yeah. Um. So we also see uh, Sarah seeing the uh, seeing Arnie for the first time since um, since the first film, and I think that was quite um, a well acted scene yeah. from the film. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a classic moment that I really. It's like home. a
2: complete fight off flight moment, isn't it? Where just like you see your ultimate fear, and you just f- literally just fall to the ground and stop, mm-hmm. and you freeze because you don't know what to do.
0: Sure, but um, you know she. It shows how quickly she can make a decision to 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 go with him, mm. um, because I guess she didn't really have any choice, did she? She was either going to go with the ter- uh, with Arnie or or she was going to go back uh, with the doctors. Yeah, who, who mm. did not believe anything um, until
2: that until the Terminator showed up, and then all of a sudden that that chief psychiatrist is just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> He's just standing there watching this whole thing happen, going, uh, "She, like, in his face, <laughs> like, she was right this whole time."
0: <laughs> I think like um, the scene where you see the T one thousand going through the bars. I mean, that was just an awesome scene, wasn't it? Yes. And then, like, the, uh, I think he had keys on his. Um, Belt or whatever that oh, actually got stuck. It oh, was of it great. the gun, wasn't it? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, just just another epic, like awesome special effects scene. Mm-hmm. Just just to really ramp up, you know how how formidable the this Terminator th- seemed to be. You know how invincible he was. Mm. Um, so they managed to to escape. They get themselves into a car, and uh, obviously the T one thousand is not having any of this, and um, starts chasing after him on foot. Um, Now, this dude can run.
2: Yes. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, (laughs) Here we go again. I've got another fact about this. (laughs) Uh, Robert Patrick trained in a rigorous running regime while breathing only through his nose in order to be able to appear to run at high speeds without showing fatigue on the film.
2: That's nuts.
0: He had He had trained so hard that he was able to catch up with Edward Furlong on his dirt bike with great ease. So he had to slow down considerably. <laughs> Jeez. Can you imagine running that fast? I can't. No. Amazing. Wow. That's
1: awesome. That's really, really awesome. I didn't realise that. You just, no, you just imagine I, it being, filming that in short bursts and him just almost acting like he's yeah. running fast. Yeah, I never the editing believed, trick, yeah. Yeah. I never believed he was actually gunning it. Like, yeah, I thought any Tom Cruise could do that with well, his little run that he does. But, <laughs> but, turns out it's not true.
0: okay? No. Else can? So amazing. Uh, yeah. So um, we have this uh, another chase, and he manages to catch up with the car and makes his arms uh, turn his arms into like little ho- uh, into hooks, which he manages to um, hook himself onto the back of the car, and then you see him like weaving around, getting dragged dragged behind the car, which was another quite cool effect. Mm. Um, before he manages to climb up and smash the back windscreen um of the car before only decides to get out and shoot the shit out of him with his shotgun.
1: <laughs> so I'm gonna go back to parodies again, like with hot shots, but yeah, I know he's chasing the say. car. Yeah. It's the Simpsons where Homer's chasing the Flanders car and uh, a, he's it, got he's, he's using it the rake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's cycle, is it, yeah. is just is it Todd or
2: Rod? He's gay yeah.
1: on us. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Uh.
3: They
2: fly apart like leaves. <laughs>
3: Dreams, the cataclysm, the end of the world are very common.
2: It's not a dream anymore, but
3: it's real. I know the date it happens. I'm sure it feels very real to you.
2: On August 29th, 1997, it's gonna feel pretty fucking real to you too. Anybody not wearing two million sunblock is gonna have a real bad day, get it? God, you think you're safe and alive? You're already dead, everybody. Him, you, you're dead already. This whole place, everything you see is gone. You're the one living in a fucking dream, son because I knew it happened. It happened!
0: Thinking about the direction of the film, how, I mean, we, obviously the director is James Cameron. Um, I believe he wrote it as well. And how, how do you feel he did with the film?
1: Just in general, I mean, just
0: the actual scope of the story. Sure, yeah.
1: Yeah, I just... I mean, going back to what I said at the beginning, like how he kind of evolved it from the first film, turning yeah. it into... I almost feel like this film's less inventive um, inventive, sorry, than the original, but it just, like with Aliens, just does everything bigger, bolder, louder, and it just... He just told he just did a really great job of telling a really nice, concise story, but I guess for better or worse he created a world that other stories could be told. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably yeah. worse. Um but yeah. I mean there's few series like this I think that have managed to um Live on as long as this. I mean, what you're looking at your Star Wars, you're looking at is that, yeah, that's what I can think of, actually. Um, yeah, some you know, what a good number, what six, seven films now have come out of this. Mm-hmm. God, yeah. um, <laughs> um, but other than the pursuit of money, they're obviously seeing a story that they think can be told, and it's all thanks to him. Um, but yeah. I, for me, there only ever will be two films, maybe three, yeah. but...
2: Terminator 3 is a sort I remember seeing it with yeah. you, Rich, in kind yeah. cinema.
1: It's um, kind it's of like...
2: Solid, it's a decent movie. It's not, yeah. obviously...
1: I kind of look at the first three Terminator films, almost like the first three Batmans. <laughs> yeah. you got that real darkness of the first one. Then the second one is dark, but it kind of ups the ante a bit and feels mm. bigger and... Yeah, nice bit of humour injected in it and then the third one's kind of elements of darkness but it's a bit, a bit more lighter. campy yeah. it's a bit, it's way campy, it leans into it a lot more yeah. um,
2: and then the next one number four just takes you to a stupid extreme oh, a, oh god
0: Christian Bale <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> savage. Uh, God.
0: Ugh. I mean what oh, do you think on on. <laughs> like, anyway, carry on <laughs> <laughs>
2: no? I, mean, I
0: was, I was going to touch on the sequels anyway, so as we're here we might as well carry on um what i mean how, why do you think the series kind of went the way in which it did you know they had this amazing world set up with these great characters uh, there and yeah. they seemed to just screw it up
2: because i think james cameron like most creators take a back seat and just let it happen around them but i mean there's there's and other
0: great movie makers out there that could yeah. have that could have took this and and carried it on maybe not to the extent of james cameron himself but mm. They they still could have produced decent quality, good, yeah, good films.
1: Yeah, I don't think it helped as well the fact the whole franchise was passed from pillar to post. As well, it was yeah. being sold every five minutes to someone yeah. else, mm. different studios, like, and I swear I had it at some point. I'm absolutely positive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so it's just yeah, and that obviously is jarring in terms of a vision, in terms of people that are being employed to, you know, be the creators, the decision makers for the whole. Mm. Again, I use that horrible word franchise, but
2: so there's no consistency because yeah, it's always different every time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I right. thought. Sorry, Rich, carry on. No, go on. I was going to say, I mean, I th- I, was, I always got quite excited when a new Terminator film was, you know, was was announced because you know I thought maybe this time they get it right, and yeah. always mostly disappointed. Um, the most excited, or most. Um, I don't know what the word is, but you kind of, whatever. But Naive, <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> was the last one that they released. Well, what was it called? I forgot. Dark Fate. Oh, uh, that one. Dark Fate. Because they brought back Sarah Connor. Mm. And they obviously had Arnie in it as well. And I thought maybe this time they they might get it right. Did they? No.
2: Well, I haven't watched it. <laughs> 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 I this...
0: honestly haven't watched it yet. No. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, like the one before it, Genesis, I mean, that was just a big pile of poo. Oh, yeah, God. Know, no, terrible, it? I have no memory of. I mean, I went to the cinema and watched it, and I have no memory of, the, of what happened in the, in any of the part of the film. You know, mm. it was like, shit. It's just like, let's
2: like, just, just recast and then reset the whole timeline. It's like, really. And don't so, get me wrong, Amelia Clark as Sarah Connor was a great casting choice. It's just a mm. shame what they did with the script. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Then obviously, and, yeah. And they put Joy Courtney in the films. Oh, <laughs> Christ. So, then yeah.
0: so we had Dark Fates um, coming out afterwards, so I thought it couldn't get any worse. Yeah. Did it?
1: Well, um, it's been nothing since, has it? But No. <laughs> what I don't like about Dark Fate, um, this is one of the things I hate nowadays with like the studio system. I almost hate it more than the whole everything has to have like a cinematic universe yeah. it's the whole idea now and i kind of blame jj abrams for this yes it's the whole legacy sequel thing where it's like yeah. hey look we've got the old people back that you love and it's not shit this time <laughs> on us <And> it's just <laughs> kind of really cynical tactic they use Yep. Like, do you remember? Do you remember, Sarah?
2: Mm? <laughs> the member berries. Mm? And like, I remember. Yeah, and it's like, I remember. <laughs>
1: and, it's like, and then you get bloody, like, James Cameron coming out, releasing a statement saying, this one's not shit. This is the real <laughs> sequel to Terminator 2. It's like, mm-hmm. you've just shown your full ass the moment you're saying all those other films don't exist. Because whether they were mm. shit or not, they exist. They still exist. And you yeah. can't, like, just tell people, ignore it. It's like, well, no. Because, no. Yeah, like,
2: yeah. You have to respect the canon, what came before, and elaborate on it. And even if you have got to improve it by time traveling and wiping it all out and wiping yeah. the slate clean, so be it. At Least respect what came before.
1: And then just, ki- I mean, is it a spoiler at this point? Does anyone give a shit? Because they, they probably, if they're not, if they don't watch Dark Fate already, they're never going to watch it. But <laughs> I killing see. John Connor in the first five minutes is like yeah. what the hell? Like, I I don't know. It's, that that was a shit move as well. Like you spent all that time building what you did in the first mm-hmm. two films and through Christian Bale and that one other guy that I don't remember from Genesis. Um, and who else played him? It was
2: something Clark. I can't remember his second yeah. name. Clark with him. Yeah. Uh, oh, comes to, the other in good minute.
1: one was um, Nick Stahl as well from Terminator 3. I liked him.
2: Yeah, but, but he, added a, he added a naivety to the character. Yeah. It he was, was damaged. All, all-knowing... Superhero like yeah, P- uh, Pierce person like yeah, Christian Bale, Jason Clark, that was the actor. That was it. Oh yeah. yeah, um, the guy with a weird face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Do> you- <laughs> Sorry, just, uh, he does. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Do you think um in Dark Fates it was brought down as well with the fact that they went with this whole storyline of um the T eight hundred having a wife. Um, and and like a whole like family thing
2: guys this is like all news to me like (laughs) I'm in proper spoiler territory now
0: oh yeah of course because you haven't watched it have you I
2: haven't watched it yet No, No. but I don't really care so
0: (laughs) fair enough um, yeah, because I thought that part of the film was quite bizarre as well, where where you know you we we found the T eight hundred in Dark Souls, Dark, Dark Souls, Dark Souls, yeah, <laughs> on <from laughs> the plane. <laughs> <laughs> too many video games. It was certainly, what it that's
1: certainly that's was that's as hard to get through watching that film as it was to play Dark Souls. You
0: know, like so, he...
2: sounds like a shoe shop, really.
0: Yeah, and you find out like he's evolved so much that he seems like a normal human being, and like he's got uh, like a family and such. You know, and like where's that, Cargo
1: this... Shorts as well? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> his, name's, his name's Carl, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, something like that. How he, he, uh, are we
0: doing? I, I know, right? <laughs> I think that was the point of the film. Where I thought, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, this isn't gonna be good, is it?
2: The annoying thing is when the film was announced, and everyone was like, "Oh, Jim Cameron's going to be directing." Everyone was like, "Yeah," like you'd you'd think that Jim Cameron being attached to direct his own project would be an amazing thing, and then you get the whole James Cameron no longer directing, only executive producing, and that's when you get to the point where you are like, "Yeah, this film is made by a committee now." Like, <laughs> yeah, they've said you are not directing. We'll get this guy who's probably direct- I don't know who directed it. He's probably directed like music video it? and some it was, it was Tim episode. Miller
1: it was Tim Miller who did uh, Deadpool and um, oh really I didn't know him. yeah something else I forget what else he did yeah, yeah it's, it's
2: one of those classic design by committee things isn't it and you yeah. just like if Jim Cameron had directed it I bet it would have been a solid decent movie definitely respected yeah. what came before hmm. but D- it wasn't
0: <laughs> well going back to Jim Cameron quickly before we carry on um, do you think this was his best film he ever directed
2: um I think this was this was before his uh, his height of entitlement power that he mm. seems to have right now, and that came after Titanic.
1: I for me I want to say True Lies. Yeah. yeah Because I just love that film. It's
0: a quality film. It's yeah. just yeah. fun.
2: Again, it's a fun movie. Yeah. Doesn't take itself too seriously. <laughs> mm. So one thing
1: one thing I will say actually quickly before we put Dark Fate completely to bed. Mm-hmm. One thing I will rate about that film highly, is that the composer is my favourite composer pretty much of all time, a Junkie XL. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, his rendition of um, the Terminator theme is awesome. So imagine the Terminator theme, but with Mad Max Fury
0: Road drums. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. But, <laughs> continue. Best part of the film, apparently. Yes. <laughs> cool. Well, back to Terminator 2. And uh, we find the they have uh, made their way to one of Sarah Connor's friends, would you say? Mm, <coughs> yes. Kind of? I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. Mm. No, that sounds right. Um, and they, they camp out, and uh, this is where Sarah has her wonderful uh, dream that always freaked the crap out of me when I watched it as a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly same. Yeah, of the, the bomb going off and uh, literally just the skin being ripped off. Mm-hmm. Everybody... It was quite um, a weirdly placed part of the film, do you think?
2: It was almost played like a fever dream. Yeah. You know, where it wasn't a daydream. It was like a... She's literally blacked out on the hood of that car for like a second or two. You know what you do? And it's like a classic fever dream. Where We've all had fever dreams where you're, like, you're ill or you just have some really random nightmare. Really short. And that's how it was always done to me anyway. And it's just this phenomenal shot of miniatures, map painting, high-speed photography, full mock-ups of bodies and skeletons. It's just a masterclass of how yeah. to pull off an effect shot of a nuclear bomb going off. And it is almost quite accurate as well as to how it would happen if a nuclear bomb would go off. It's actually fairly accurate when you look at YouTube um, uh, deconstructions of the scene. How you get the flash and then the instantaneous, almost vaporization of houses, and they had cars on the freeway. It was all miniature Mm, trees, buildings, city blocks. Uh, The background was like a mixture of um, blue screen shots and map paintings on glass panels. Oh, it it is just sublimely edited. You get the and the shot of the skeleton on the fence, which I believe was done. I think it's a half scale miniature. So you got. Obviously, the act of Linda Hamilton, and it cuts to the the half-scale miniature of this skeleton just kind of holding onto his fit. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's stunning. Every single second of that like ten, well not even ten-second shot is just sublime.
0: And it it gives you a, a moment of seeing Sarah as she used to be mm. in that scene, which was totally yeah. Um, so um, I asked. I am a member of a um, a group in Discord. That um, a wonderful group of people and I, I, I put a question to them about what, what they remember mostly about Terminator I had one person come back and that was Lewis um, <laughs> and he says that every time he sees it's on TV and turn it on it's always the dream nuke scene at the park
3: <laughs> yeah. oh, of
0: course <laughs> I forget the amount of times I've seen their skin melt off their bones yeah <laughs> I just said, Let's do that's seriously bad timing <laughs> if you're every time you turn it on and it's on that scene but,
1: you always um, get a random films on like Sunday afternoons on TV. Yeah. Like it always is the same scene. Mm.
2: Like
0: yeah. Um, With that. Yeah. So and we A
2: bit of trivia. I don't know if uh, did you guys watch the special directors edition at all? No. Yes. That's what um, I watched tonight. I've got the um SkyNet edition Blu-ray. Yes. same. Which is annoying because obviously it's called SkyNet edition because you connected the, the the internet to access <laughs> to access some <laughs> oh, uh, kind of features. A DVD so a s- ROM. Yeah, so it's a streamlined Blu-ray that uses obviously internet access to access, Skynet to access the features. Right. But very very there, clever in the day, yeah, I guess. Yeah. In yeah, yeah, twelve years ago or so. But yeah, the, the director's edition, the actual alternate ending, which if he would have put it in, we wouldn't have had the sequels. Because mm. the alternate ending is a happy ending where Sarah's with her grandchildren at that very same park that she dreams of. But the nukes never went off. Ah uh, yes. So it, I don't know if anyone remembers the ending. So it's it's literally they lived happily ever after. Yeah, now I remember. But it's it's quite a really beautifully shot, poignant ending, and the prosthetics on um, Linda Hamilton are fantastic. And yeah, same same park and the nukes and all went off. John grew up, had kids, and they had kids. And if they had left that original closed off ending, you probably wouldn't have had sequels because uh. by yeah I know it's in hindsight isn't it a wonderful thing where you think well and the ending that he did have that really open-ended ambiguous ending which literally opened the door for possibly more sequels which you can't blame a director for doing no no. or do you you
0: think it was pressure from the studios to keep it open because they wanted they wanted it open in case it was option yeah yeah, in case it did so well that they could make more
2: yeah because they they closed the time loop and yeah, they lived happily ever after.
0: it <laughs> <laughs> uh, Weren't meant to be. No. I
2: no. Like a bit later on in the film, obviously, there's another famous deleted scene. I don't know if everyone's up on that one, but we'll discuss that soon.
0: Cool. Um, So, yeah, we find out that Sarah's um, stashed like a whole like armory under the ground. And um, Arnie is very happy when he finds his minigun down there in the bunker. Um, I guess it's around this time of the film as well where they've they've started to bring in well I guess it was probably nearer to the beginning as well, but it, it was starting to more come around here where John was trying to teach the Terminator how to be more human, um, how to make him smile, yeah. um, how right. how to um, you know uh, reply with a more a bit more of a emotional um, words instead of just like his straight straight faced normal things um do you think that was a good thing to bring into the film
1: yeah i mean i thought i thought it was quite endearing it never it didn't no. ever feel hokey it didn't make arnie's you know character of the t100 look less yeah you know, lesser for it i think yeah. it was quite nice and i think you had to give it some warmth
2: yeah um, you needed that little bit of injection of, of humor and obviously humanity as well because obviously <laughs> No one's gonna believe this, you know, six foot odd hulk of a man, are they? With no emotions, you're gonna go, hang on a minute, something's not right.
1: There's the bit like with um Sarah's voiceover and she's talking about how like um the T800 is like a fatherly figure and it's the first time like John's had that in his life. He's mm. not gonna desert him. He's you know going to be there for him and protect him. And mm. I thought that was actually generally quite touching. And you wouldn't have really had that moment had you not built it up with those like you know silly, i'll say sillier moments but yeah just um lighter moments i guess and yeah i thought it was nice and it kind of made john more likable as well in those yeah. moments mm-hmm. um I, I liked it i thought it was quite mm-hmm. touching
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean i didn't and i never really you know you you watch some films back that you have fond memories but then you get to a certain point think oh god i hate this bit or yeah this was the shit part of the film Or something like that, but these scenes didn't feel like that. They, they, they still felt part of the film and a progression Mm. of the of the characters more so than anything else. And like you say, I mean, with with such a bleak uh, story and film, and um, you know, and how violent and whatever else was happening, you you had these moments where, like you say, Rich, were more uh, light hearted, and you could actually like bring a small smile to your face when you watched it.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things I don't like about a lot, a lot of modern films now. And you get this, even in the films I like, you get like all your Marvel films, they just inject humour into it. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, you're in high-stakes situations and people yeah. are quipping. It just <laughs> yeah. does not feel like if I'm in a high-stress situation and stuff's going wrong around me, I'm not just going to... You're not going do to do that, no. You know, it, li- this feels genuine like it feels like no this is how people actually communicate with one another mm. even in tough situations it doesn't just feel like it was attacked on gag it was it was good and mm. that that smiling scene is brilliant <laughs> yeah. like, that image of him just <laughs> bearing his like yeah. upper teeth is just fantastic I, I love it i love it so
0: one of arnie's best acting scenes oh sorry totally, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um so is it around this time in the film where where Sarah learns about um, Dyson, yes, and yeah. his um, you know influence in starting Skynet, and she and decides to take it upon herself to go and kill him, uh, mm-hmm. um, which then John magically just figures out on his own. <laughs> um, quite See, soon they were, they after she leaves they were
2: talking about it before weren't they yeah because I think and they were packing of, up
0: the jeep or the car weren't they with weapons yeah, yeah.
2: and they do a bit of research I, I, I know it comes up and then all of a sudden John's like "Well, there's only one way, one place where she must be going and that is the conversation they had earlier yeah it's a bit of exposition
3: watching John with the machine it was suddenly so clear The Terminator would never stop. It would never
2: leave him. And it would never hurt him, never shout at him or get drunk and hit him or say it was too busy to spend time with him.
3: It would always be there, and it would die to protect him.
2: Of all the would-be fathers who came and went over the years, this thing, this machine, was the only one who measured up.
3: In an insane world, it was the sanest choice.
0: Um, so we see we see uh, Dyson in his home. He's working hard with his little child and wife in this quite nice fancy house. And then all of a sudden, a nice red dot lands on his mm. on himself, and then a carnage of shoes. Um, what did you think of Dyson as a character? And like the I, I didn't take a note of the actor's name. That um,
1: yeah, was, um, oh, what was his name again? I had it on the tip of my tongue, and it's good.
2: It's one of those actors' names that I always forget, and you always J- recognise it. Was it him. Jay Morton? Yeah, I think so. i
0: sure I got that right. But it's, I think he played the character very well.
1: Mm. Yeah, he was likeable. I, I, I didn't feel like he was this antagonist, like, oh, he created Skynet. He's like, that know, was, he was a,
2: That was the beautiful balance. He was just a normal dude. And he just didn't do his research power, and you know. no. Because obviously he's not been to the future, he doesn't know what's going to happen. No. And then this crazy lady comes in with guns, <laughs> and he's like, "What? What the hell? What are you talking about? Like future robots and stuff coming back in time?" And
0: but then it's, yeah, this but this 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 kind of always sat with me, and it sits with me to this day. Like we we've got this man who didn't really know what would happen in the future. He just thought he was he was doing something. Uh, to benefit humankind mm-hmm. um, and everything else, and then it obviously all goes peak Tong, and the world gets destroyed and getting taken over by robots. But it's so kind of believable that what's to say that can't happen in real life?
1: Mm. Oh, no, you know, because
0: totally. of the way technology, even now, how technology is going, and like you see videos of like how scientists and um, inventors have created these robots can, that can do this and they can do that. And I've, that that's a, a credit to the story on how believable that, that can be.
1: You see that clip there's that clip around, isn't there, of um Jeff Bezos and he's got those like robotic oh, arms, and massive he's just, arms yeah. He's like Lex Luthor <laughs> yeah. knackling. I'm like, Yeah, nah, this is not good. This is not good. <laughs> no. It's just yeah, not
0: good. Um but um yeah, no, I think he was played well and we then see how um Dyson gets told the whole story and he's like, well, yeah, sure, I'll do whatever I can, you know, and this is obviously a part where we see that scene that you mentioned earlier, Chris, where he um, he rips his skin off his arm to yeah. prove that it's going to be what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And he obviously recognises that arm, the arm from yeah. the arm that he's got in his office mm-hmm. at work. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they decide what they're going to do. They're just going to destroy everything. They're going to destroy all the data, you know, um, all his computer stuff at home, and then um, obviously to to where his lab is and everything they've got there, they need to blow it all up. Mm. Um, so they move to, <coughs> excuse me, um, <coughs> what's the company called Cryotech? Is it Cryotech? Cyberdyne.
2: Cyberdyne. Cyberdyne. Sorry, Cyberdyne I don't know where I got that from.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no idea where uh, I, cry- I put that one cryo from. Cryo <laughs> is actually written
2: on the side of the tanker, and later in the film, maybe there that's where I got it from. That, Who knows? Yeah.
0: Um, and um obviously this starts another kind of um breakout scene of the film um the, the stunt work in this must be um quite exceptional do you think rich
1: oh yeah absolutely like mm. everything especially obviously that bit where a T1000 rides rides the uh, police bike off the site off the side of the building and mm. um onto the police helicopter and yeah it's just all practical, all happened you know in front of a camera it mm-hmm. yeah, amazing that that's I think that stunt sticks stays with me more than the whole bit in the in the uh, the viaduct it just looks yeah, so cool, maybe it's something to do with it at night as well mm-hmm. it just yeah it's such a great, and then when he get when he gets inside the helicopter he's just like, you know yeah. get out, get out. <laughs> <laughs> God, He jumps yeah. out it's just <laughs> awesome, I, I love it all the stunt work is amazing yeah. in the scene you've got. Arnie with the um, I don't even know what you, I don't even know what you call that gun now. That Arnie the had. minigun. It just, it's a
0: minigun. Yeah, mini
1: yeah, yeah. There you go. That'll do.
0: But he he obviously has been given the the instruction from John not to kill anybody. So he's actually firing off this minigun, making sure yeah. he's not actually going to kill anybody, yeah. which is quite impressive.
2: Just destroying all the cars and means to get to the building, so mm-hmm. he leaves you blocking the way then people
1: people poo-pooed on terminator 3 because they thought oh he'd, he had the whole no kill thing because he was like about to be the governor but it actually was consistent with terminator Two.
2: <laughs> it's like mm, yeah <laughs> yeah
0: yeah definitely so... um so they they've wired up all the office um and then obviously the police have sent in this their um swat team to um to try and uh stop um to stop them because um they they found out that it's the Terminator that killed all these people back in nineteen eighty four, so they're after him. Mm. And um uh obviously Paul Dyson gets shot, gets injured, uh quite luckily right next to the um the the detonator and his little uh. um thing in his hand. So he has to uh, he has to uh, he obviously dies and then the, um, he, he drops the thing onto the, uh, the detonator. Uh, that, that scene there was, was quite really well acted. yeah that it? stayed yeah.
2: with me for uh, many years that I just when you're a kid, you just have these memories of the actor just the breaths are getting shorter and he doesn't blink for the whole scene. Mm-hmm. And then obviously he dies and then the muscles relax and then it hits the detonator switch. The weight goes down and it's just that, that labored breathing just always stuck with me Mm -hmm, because it just looks so painful and just so like like oh my god is this what happens when people die you know possible yeah i mean (laughs) just like the way that it's quite horrific gunshot as well it's literally like riddled with bullets you know and it's just mad
0: yeah like you say it's it's just one of those scenes when i think back on terminator 2 that is one of the scenes that comes to my head straight away Mm -hmm. just just from the way it was acted and the music and everything else, um, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. It was yeah, just just a really memorable part of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, they managed to escape, and um, that ensures another car chase scene with another lorry. Um, on, lorry. Another
2: lorry. That will be the cryo tank. Not, that's not the one. Nitrogen one. There sure. you go. And we they, didn't actually touch on it, sorry, did we? When they went to his storage facility. Which, well, the t which No, no, which is why they had the nitrogen there. Because ah. they're, store- they're storing the um, the chip and the arm from the 1984 incident. That's what a nitrogen oh, okay, tank yes. is down there. Because they um. need the nitrogen to cool everything at a steady temperature. And that's when you get that proof of is would this technically be a grant um, a bootstrap paradox? Um, yes. Are you guys up on your? you guys your paradoxes?
1: Um, kind of, sorta. Of. Not bootstrap mm-hmm. ones, though.
2: Bootstrap paradox is basically like Skynet invents itself. Now you can go on all these Anorak Reddit forum readings of the Terminator paradoxes, but you can. Basically, Skynet kind of creates itself, but it doesn't create itself. So Skynet has to exist in the future to send the Terminator back to 1984 mm-hmm. for the arm and the chip to be salvaged from yep. the end instant, which is then in storage until Dyson and his company are formed to reverse-engineer the chip and the arm in the Cyberdyne systems, which would then, in turn, inspire Skynet and allow it to become self-aware because of the advanced software and chip, Right.
1: Okay.
2: So, who invented Skynet? It's not Cyberdyne Systems, because Skynet existed in the future to go back into the past Mm. to inspire its own creation.
1: Okay, yes. Yes. Now, the bootstrap
2: paradox is actually best explained in the Doc 2 episode by Peter Capaldi in the opening, the cold open, about Beethoven, where it's kind of like um, you, you're a time traveller and you go back in time and you find that it's, you know, no, this, this person doesn't exist or has been ill and died. But you know he exists because you're in the future, you've seen pictures or you've heard music or so on and so forth. So you go back into the past and you help finish the composition or you do the, you release the composition yourself with the music you bought brought from the future. So if that person didn't exist, who wrote Beethoven's fifth symphony? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Does it just exist or did you know, it's one of those things. And again, just like Terminator two, it's a bootstrap paradox in a way where you like you have no answer. <laughs>
0: you just made a really like simple story, really complicated. Thanks yeah, that. I, did. <laughs> I did. The
2: bootstrap paradox is a fascinating, fascinating paradox.
0: <laughs> it certainly makes your head think hurt
2: yeah yeah anyway back to the nitrogen tank and the sure. next car and the next chase so
0: uh yeah they managed to um their car breaks down and then they have to get off and pick up this other one which is some like really shitty um what looks like 50 mile per hour topped isn't it um, a gardener's
2: van with a shed on the back? yeah with the shed yeah. on the back <laughs> um
0: obviously obviously the t1000 is going to catch up with him but they they managed to get him to jackknife and um in oh no they they drive to a steelworks don't they? Mm, they do. Yeah. Um they 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 manage to drive through into a steelworks where the where the lorry jack knives and that's where we see the T one thousand uh freeze.
2: Which is an amazing shot of miniatures. Yes. Almost all miniatures and it's just stunning. it, it just yeah. High speed miniatures just yeah, there's just nothing Better than watching that art form take pride and place in a set piece like this
0: and I think they went into probably the the worst environment possible for this scene because obviously like he he get um, Arnie shoots him he breaks up into hundreds of pieces and you think oh they finally got him you know he, he's done for but then obviously the heat of the the fires from the steelworks mm. uh, then defrosts him back into liquid and then you can see him reforming mm. um in, into a liquid puddle
1: i just uh, figured to have loads of little tiny miniature t1000s running around <laughs> yeah that would have be been it because yeah if it's, it's if it's
2: complex reformable liquid metal then yeah that could be possibly <laughs> a
1: thousand little robert patrick's <laughs> just running after you
2: like wasn't there a ghostbusters animated series episode where they little slimers from yes that's ringing a bell with me somewhere. Yep, yep, I remember that one. I remember that one. <laughs> it's just like hundreds of Slimers, like. Oh, you guys are amazing! Oh, bring up a most Ghostbusters that reference. Is a, uh, that's that's, yeah, I remember that so well. Like obs- obscure tangent. About, sure. And then, obviously, you've got the hot shots tangent as well, sure. <laughs> blending with the dog. <laughs> oh, I knew that reference was coming up, and I didn't know if it was going to be me or you that said it, but... You got in oh, there, you got there. They, they dicked with the wrong dictator, it always cracks me up every time. Do,
0: <laughs> do, do any of you know how they've uh, managed that effect <laughs> with, with the liquid and the reforming? Was it something they did backwards, Did they film it forwards and then reverse it?
2: It's a, I believe it's a mixture of two or three different processes, and I think they used I think they used mercury and magnets when it's fully liquid., Okay. but I can't remember how they did the actual initial melting, because if you look carefully, it's, a, it's, a, it's similar, but very different at the same time, whereas mercury mm. has that globular, almost alien-like liquid viscosity. Whereas the melting pieces almost look like, it might be aluminium or something that's like a solid piece that has a different look. But I, I can't remember. No. I'm sure Jason's got a trivia.
0: I have got trivia. How yeah. did you know?
2: Welcome to Trivia Corner.
0: <gasps> oh yeah, Jason's Trivia Corner. Are you ready? Industrial Light and Magic's computer graphics department had to grow from six artists to almost 36 to accommodate all the work required to bring the T-1000 to life. Wow. costing $5.5 million and taking eight months to produce, which ultimately amounted to 3.5 minutes of screen time. Wow. Um, and I have another fact about the T-1000 in that Michael Bain was the first... Tr- I don't know if I pronounce his surname right there or not, but I'm sure you know who I'm talking Bean. about. Bean. 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 Call back that one, yeah. call back. <laughs> oh, nice. oh my God. <laughs> Do that again, Rich, sorry.
1: <laughs> we saw him once. He was, I saw him in person at uh, Comic Con a few years ago. Yeah. Oh, Didn't say nice. hi to him.
0: No, was you too he too nervous? He's a little bit grumpy.
2: So. What was that yeah. uh YouTube channel, Rich, you sent me on? Um, um, and it's um, Venus.
1: Oh, Venus, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, so. he comes into your house and makes beans on toast and steals yeah. your beans from your cupboards. It's yeah. the most horrific <laughs> looking thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll link. i link it to later. Oh it's my brilliant.
1: god!
3: Beans <laughs> 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 sounds amazing.
0: Penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, Jason, you will
2: not sleep. No, you know? I don't think no. I want to. No. <laughs> likes beans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well done, lads! In the last ten minutes, you've managed to get to Ghostbusters and Mr. Bean. So
2: yeah, and a completely obscure <laughs> internet character. <Yeah. laughs>
0: amazing. Um, so yeah. Uh, so, who was the first choice for the role of the T1000? Ooh. In a complete reversal of roles with Arnold. I can't wait for this. Who was now a hero. However, this idea was abandoned as it was judged too confusing for viewers. Mmm. That's the reason why. makes mind.
2: sense. Yeah. Well, I suppose it also makes sense to model him after Kyle Reese. Yeah. Because that was a perfect infiltration because it could be explained in, oh, the timeline was altered, Kyle Reese is back earlier. Or whatever, yeah. yeah. Either either side of the coin, you can look
0: at that. Hmm. Um, so yeah, the guys realise that the T one thousand is actually reforming, and he's going to be back to his best. Um, so decides to uh, they decide to get a head start and run off, but it doesn't really work out in that way, does it?
1: No.
0: Um, how do you, How do you think they handled? I mean, this is the end scene of the film. How How do you think this was? Uh, do you think this was a good? A good end to the film?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you can't beat yeah. that whole like sacrifice thing. That's always yeah. the most I think quite moving powerful way you can, you know, draw a film to a close. Like yeah. John having that fatherly figure for the first time in his life and then just losing him like that. Like yeah. I just yeah, I think it's great. And it, it really kind of brings it full circle with how John's kind of trying to get that humanity out of the T-1000, not T-1000, mm. Jesus, good luck, out um, <laughs> the T-100 early on in the film, and then to see him um, yeah, make that sacrifice to protect him. I don't know, it's his job anyway, but obviously there's the whole thumbs up at the end, and mm-hmm. that's not something he's doing because of his programming, it's because...
2: John's taught him that. Yeah, gesture. he's bonded. Yeah. You see it earlier yeah. on, don't you, when they're at yeah. the uh, mm-hmm. at
1: the camp, it's just, yeah. Again, it's
2: it's ha- like losing a, a friend essentially one of the closest friends John <coughs> has probably ever had. Indeed. Apart from the guy that's left at the arcade and never seen or heard <laughs> of ever again.
0: Yeah, to you be fair.
1: Kid, it's always like you know you always get like, in films. Hey, it's that guy. I always thought like, <laughs> that kid is. Hey, it's that kid. I always feel like I, I always I, want to think it's Corey Feldman, but it's not. <laughs> it's like... I
2: always thought it was. Is Sorry. it the kid from Big who plays his? Yes. Um, yes. Who yes. plays uh, his best friend?
1: They do
0: the
1: old silly
2: string, don't they? they're like, Yeah. Yeah. Shimmy shimmy cockle
0: bob, shimmy shimmy rock. Nice. There we go, guys. Very nice. Nicely done. Um, What do you think of how the (laughs) T-1000 wrecked Arnie in that scene? Uh, Do you you think it was necessary? No. (laughs) No. Because, you know, like he... I mean, it was quite traumatic to see him get destroyed in that that sense. Mm. Um... But he came back quite quickly from his injuries and seemed to be all right.
2: With the convenient emergency alternative power source? Yes. Indeed. Yeah. But then it wouldn't be a payoff if the hero didn't die and then come back in a mm-hmm. way. But the the prosthetics and everything used in this final scene is stunning. And the f- just <laughs> the full facial... And if you look at... Um, On YouTube, there's breakdowns, and obviously on the Blu-rays and books of how it was achieved by Stan Winston Studios. And I just want to shout out to those guys because this is phenomenal work. Mm -hmm. Most of it is puppet work, full-scale animatronic puppets, and the head sculpts of Arnie and the head sculpts for Robert Patrick's prosthetics as well are stunning. And the level of detail, the layers of skin that are coming off, and... Just you can see every detail through the jaw and through the neck, and it's just a stunning piece of how to make a physical fight like this pay up, pay up, um, convincing. Mhm. It was very um,
0: convincing. I mean, I wonder, yeah. I wonder what um Arnie thought watching, watching it back, or or, mm. or being on set while they were were setting up this this puppet of him. Half, yeah. half destroyed. It must have been quite surreal for him. And it,
2: it kind of reminds me as well, I don't know if anyone's seen uh, the uh, version of Robocop with the Alex Murphy animatronic. Has anyone ever seen that? Um, yeah,
1: that sounds familiar. I'm sh- pretty sure I have,
2: yeah. It was deleted by Paul Verhoeven from the actual cut, but you do see the animatronic from the side and the back as the head's blown apart. <laughs> now, the original full scene was a full torso animatronic of um, Peter Weller. That's creepy. Complete with face and moving lips and jaw and eyes to get the full bloody disgusting mutilation of this cop. And again, it re- always reminds me of that deleted scene and those pictures that you see of the ma- and the making of footage. You actually see the Alex Murphy uh, uh, torso on set. And this reminds me of that, where it's like a full torso animatronic, because he rips his arm off, which, again, spoilers, creates another paradox, because he rips his arm off, he leaves it in the cog, the arm is still there, so Skynet still comes around. And so, yeah, you've got the arm, is des- the arm at Dyson's lab is destroyed, but another arm is left behind mm-hmm. by this T-800, so you've got that loop but the the whole just you see this Terminator just being ripped to pieces mm-hmm. his arm comes off his face is completely shredded to pieces and yeah it's just fantastic the way it's done and the prosthetics afterwards as well when you actually see Arnie full camera and the eye comes back to life the power source come, and then he just does that heroic pulls that metal out of his chest and gets up limps to the finish line yeah amazing just, had, I had,
0: had, sorry.
2: No, I was just saying, it's just amazing the whole yeah. sequence. Yeah.
0: And um, uh, do you, do you feel the the T 1000s death was horrific enough?
2: I think he suffered enough. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think this, this after that, and then you know, and then I mean, going was, out in a blaze of glory to save humanity and prevent anything from happening, even though they kind of don't. In a way, it's quite poetic in a way as well yeah the t1000 up being for nothing because
0: <laughs> yeah the t1000's death was um he, he in the end looked like something out of the thing
2: oh, that's, that's that creepy <laughs> death and that that screeching yeah yeah like that I, when i watched it last night i was like i feel like you know, i'm like this kid again this like seven year old kid watching this film they shouldn't be watching sure <laughs> and it takes it's just yeah it's just that grenade goes in there and just blows him to pieces and that's where you get you know, the use of the animatronic Robert Patrick head just fabulous and the eyes are rolling and stuff it's like it's like nightmare stuff it is it really yeah. is you just, it you don't taking get the one. forms of the people he has <laughs> and, oh, oh yeah man. he doesn't he, yeah, he does, oh, yeah just screaming and taking the form of like the foster mum and the cop and oh
1: you just don't get that with films now i mean there's always there was always those moments in the films of that era like you've got you know a meal in um robocop with the chemicals with the toxic yeah. waste and he gets and splattered across like, the windscreen <gasps> yeah yeah <laughs> just like horrifying like yeah. it's mm. so yeah it's
0: they can't make films like that anymore nah no they're, they're, there's not the market i don't think no for, for or, or just to get away with it that mm. they could back then i guess that'll just
1: CGI and it won't have any of the impact so it just, uh, <laughs> yeah. looks uh, weird and
2: that's, that's the thing I forgot to mention earlier about CGI is if you've seen the director's edition where it doesn't it's not a director's edition itself, so they just clean up a few effects and they do a bit of colour palette changing and they give it a facelift and stuff and head swaps to make it more believable but the director's edition is that the one you watch Rich? Uh, yes is that the one where they restore the mirror scene? where they're taking a chip out of the T-800's head. Yeah. Yeah. So that is just just phenomenal. Now, it wasn't the first to do this effect. Quantum Leap had done it years before. (laughs) And other films had done this mirror effect before, especially black and white films where they get this mirror effect. And do you know anything about this, Jason?
0: No, no, no. This is news to me. Carry on.
2: The director's edition—they restored this scene. You can see it in 4K, not 4K, but it's in HD on YouTube as well. <coughs> the shot in the mirror is perfect, and I don't know why Jim Cameron deleted it. I have no idea why. It is just utter sheer perfection, where you have you have the animatronic Arnie head with the um, the the chip kind of storage thing in, in his skull, right? So you see that tracking shot. And you'd be if you watch it quickly, you think, "Oh, it's a mirror shot." It's not a mirror shot at all. It's a duplicate set built in reverse on the other side of a fake wall. There's a hole in the wall, so Arnie is facing the camera with Linda Hamilton's twin and um, Edward Furlong's double. I can't really? remember. no Edward Furlong's double is on our side as the camera's looking in. As it pans around. You see the animatronic head with the, the hole in it where they take they pull the chip out. On the other side is Arnie as the T-100 giving them directions of how to remove the chip. John Connor is holding the flashlight. Sarah Connor is standing there flapping the skin back and undoing the thing, taking the chip out. It's all done with Linda Hamilton's twin, Edward Furlong's body double, the animatronic Arnie head and Arnold Schwarzenegger on the opposing side. Wow. wow. It's done as a full 3D shot. Did you know about this shot, Rich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, Do I know Do how it was done? how
1: uh, it was done? Not to the degree you did, but I you know, yeah. got that rough impression from it. So yeah. it, is, it, is, it is amazing to, um, it's technique just, to use. It's so.
2: so much more convincing than blue screen. Oh yeah. Or, or filming two opposing scenes and flipping it and work it out. It just works so much better. And that Linda Hamilton's twin sister is in perfect sync with her. Furlong's body double is in perfect sync holding the flashlight. The animatronic head filmed from reverse from the back is in sync with Arnold Schwarzenegger because he hasn't got a move, to be fair. But it's just this perfect shot and I don't know why it was deleted. Um, Quantum Leap did did pioneer this in almost about two or three times every season where you had a complex mirror shot. They'd build the set and then build the same set in reverse through a hole in the wall and then put a frame up. Scott Buckley would be in the foreground with the camera and then the camera would move. So you get you get that 3D perception of depth. That's why they did the set in reverse on the opposite side of the wall. You get that natural depth perception of uh, field of vision. And the perfect example in that show is an episode called Of What Price Gloria? Where Sam leaps into a female who's been sexually harassed at work. And there's this scene that he plays over the opening credits where... He's looking in the mirror, putting on lipstick. On the other side is the actress playing the character, also putting on lipstick in perfect sync. That's how that effect is done. And it's just, every brilliant. time I watch it, I'm just amazed. Brilliant. And brilliant. Quantum Leap, yes, it's a low, kind of a lowish budget TV show, but the way they did those mirror effects is exactly the same. And it is just, every time I see it, I'm in complete and utter awe hmm. at how they were pulled off. And just yeah, I think that it's whole stunning.
0: The whole scene that you've just described that got cut from T two um, sounded like it was a lot of hard work to to pull it off. And anyone involved must have been well gutted to find out it just got slammed out of yeah, the film. Yeah, you just <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> you how know?
2: much choreography and yeah. rehearsal and this, even just the setups of that uh, puppet head to film the way they had to synchronize and rehearse the choreography alone is almost like a it's a complex dance move you've got the camera moving and you've got the actors having to move and stuff. And the actors are still syn- synced up when the camera cuts to the other side where Sarah walks away with the chip about to destroy it with the hammer. Now she goes yeah. to put it on the, on the workman's desk at the mechanics yeah. place. Yeah. <clears throat> that is still that hole in the wall on the other side. When <laughs> you see Linda Hamilton walk away from that mirror on, it's not her reflection. That's her twin sister. Turning in the opposite direction and Jesus. walking away the other direction, it, it it's just mind blowing. And when you watch that scene over and over again, every time I'm like, oh I'm God.
1: definitely going to watch it again after this because mm. I, I sat sat watching it earlier on at dinner and I was just like, oh, this is fine. It's like now <laughs> I'm no, just like, honestly,
2: watch it and you you it is so flawless. And there's a, there's a I think there's a bit where you see Edward Furlong's uh, body double move the flashlight to cover his face. Because he knows he's in sort of like the fill division of, of the camera, and another, yeah. you know, in again, I'll I'll send you a link to the Quantum Leap uh, episode scene. Again, it's done in exactly the same way using body doubles and amazing fill division, no mirrors involved at all. It's just synchronized actors, doubles, and I just had to get that off my chest because <laughs> every time I watch the director's edition, I'm amazed. I'm literally my jaw drops to the floor every single time. Just a setup alone, like Jason just said, is just like, and they deleted it. One of the most perfect deleted scenes in any movie, and Jim Cameron deletes it. It's like, oh my god.
1: I didn't realize as oh, the, well. Um, Leslie Hamilton, like uh, Linda Hamilton's twin, she actually played uh, Sarah in the playground scene as well with Baby Joe.
2: <laughs> yes, because that. it saved it saved a um, uh, like green screen matting shot, mm. so they can get. They are identical twins, but obviously, when you look for differences, you can see them. But from, from a point of view in a, re- in a reflection of a mirror or from a long distance shot where you've got the actress and a, re- a say a vision or a reflection or whatever, it works. It can you can play it off easily.
1: And sadly, I only found out she died last year. Oh.
2: Yeah, I sadly kind of just... looked at that when I researched it. Yeah. Wasn't she stunt performer?
1: Well, she was she, she was just a nurse, an occupation. That's what it was.
2: Why do you think she was a stunt performer? She wasn't
1: even an established actress. She just no did just... three scenes in T two, yeah, and then was just a nurse, and yeah, died mm. last August.
0: So
2: that's sad. That's mad.
0: Very sad. Yeah.
2: Sorry, we can we can get back on track now. I just <laughs> had to, when we were mentioning the the puppet work, I just had to bring up that mirror shot.
0: No, no, no worries. It's um, too
2: perfect not to bring up.
0: No, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> practically near the end anyway, because um, then the next we we see is just. Um, uh, a monologue, I guess, of Sarah looking forward to a brighter future. Mm. Um, after after the whole escapades of of the film, and um, yeah, we, we we leave the film thinking that's that, mm. not knowing what was to come.
2: <laughs> um, I love how it ended as well, though, where it's just the the monologue over a traveling road. Sure. Yeah. So you get that image of her just moving on and just traveling everywhere to try and. Either get away from everything, or prevent this from happening, and yeah, just and the alternate deleted scenes, obviously, you'll find on YouTube or the director's edition, which closes it off and almost mm-hmm. prevents sequels from happening. Sure. But we weren't so lucky.
0: Okay. So <laughs> that, that's Terminator Two. Um, I feel like we should do, spend five minutes on the or, or a few minutes on the 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 music, the score of mm. the film, because um, I feel that that was. It was, it created, well, let me let me try and rephrase it. It made the film what it was. Yes. Um, without that score, even with everything else, I don't think it would have been as impactful.
1: Yeah, I mean, what, You Could Be mine by Guns and Roses this is <laughs> banger. like banger. banger. I'm not <laughs> the biggest y r fan, but that mm-hmm. song's awesome. And no. that was one of those, that was a time as well where you used to have the music video and you used to have the clips from the film in it. And I just, yeah. I, I miss that. I really miss that so
0: much. <laughs> That's
2: what YouTube was invented for, my friend. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: but um, uh, the score was done by Brad F- Fidel. Is it Fidel? Or Fidel. F- I can't remember like how it's like pronounced. Yeah. No. Um, but he, he seemed to manage to encapsulate the feel of the film, gave it a real atmosphere mm. that I'd never really felt before from a film when I first watched it. And he managed to create sounds that really resonated with the T-1000 and um,
2: yeah it when you look at the 1984 score obviously you can when you listen to it isolated without any dialogue or special or sound effects it's very simplistic in synthesizers and digital sounds and sampled sounds all f- kind of put together in this lovely cohesive soundtrack and it, like you said, it adds this sense of industri- industrial sound. Mm, that's a good word. Yes, it's got this really dirty industrial sounds to it that is so unique to this film. It's not orchestral, but it's just got this weird, mm. futuristic yet classical set. Sa- it's just a weird balance.
0: He he managed to create music that really had real emotion that really brought out the emotion in the viewer. Yeah, yeah. Um, Depending on what's happening on the scene, mm. which definitely ramped up the film massively for me, and yeah. especially the score that he created for the end scene, like you say, when you saw mm. t the T eight hundred go into the lava, yeah, uh, for the for, uh, the last time you saw him, mm. um, and it really pulled at your strings. Mm. It was an what immense. It's an immense score. Yeah.
2: and what I love about it as well is when Jim Cameron brought him back to do this because. Like, I think Jim Cameron went on record saying there's only one person who could score a Terminator movie, and it's Brad Fidel or however you pronounce it. But he, kind of like, when you listen to Terminator Two soundtrack versus the first one, the improvement on the, or- the orchestrations and the sounds, you can see, you can hear it. It's like, again, to quote Spinal Tap, it's like he's taken the original score and upped it to 11. Yeah. Mm. It's got so much more depth and it's almost as if like you've gone. You know, we want you to score the second movie. Here's a truckload of cash, <laughs> employed the people and the equipment that you need, and they did. And it's hmm. an amazing score. Definitely.
0: Do you have any opinions on the on the music, Mitch?
1: <coughs> um, yeah, I mean, also I jumped in there with the bloody music from the film, not the actual <laughs> score. Which yeah, I suppose. always, I always rate me a film score way more than <laughs> I do a soundtrack. But yeah. yeah, I just, I just jumped out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I no, look very similar to what Chris said I just love the the industrial feel of it mm. I just how like just clanging metal it just feels cold and yeah I I'm a sucker for your, <laughs> you yeah know, your traditional film score very classical but
2: but sometimes some... when you get in very inventive composer that comes yeah. in and goes right we're gonna sample this and we're gonna do that and
1: it still feels kind of synthy but not it doesn't feel like it's living in the 80s with the previous Mm. film it it does feel like it's moved on but has some of those elements in it um yeah it's i do think it's quite a unique score and i'll be interested to see going you know going back to some of the subsequent films and see how they how they used music in those films Mm. if they tried to capture a similar feel i know terminator three kind of used similar Music, mm. um, but yeah, i would be interested to see some of the other ones.
2: Mm. I can't remember who scored the sequels, to be fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, know.
1: Danny Elfman or something. I, don't
2: know. <laughs> In, I, I was gonna say, insert stuff, insert a Star Wars family guy quote here. Now we're gonna do this 12 film with Danny Elfman. <laughs> 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 Oh, oh my god!
0: Um, so, um, do you have anything left to say about Terminator Two, or are you all done?
1: Um. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty much covers it. It just, yeah, I think it's a classic. It's very much a film of. I put it in that real esteemed company, I guess, of films I really just loved growing up. Like i check it in there with Predator. I put it in there with demolition man films that just really stick in my mind the ones that i know i shouldn't have been watching but just loved Mm -hmm. and watched many a time Yep. whether it was on tv or rented it just it is a classic um i feel like in a way and it's not to knock the film but i think in some regards i almost feel like the first film feels like a little bit more forgotten because of how big Terminator 2 feels and yeah, how much out, more it kind like, of is in the zeitgeist, I guess.
2: The second or third film outshining the one that started it all. Yeah, Back to all the Future to is a that. prime example. Yeah. When someone says Back to the Future to an uh, average Joe viewer, all they think about is the second film. Yeah. With the It's weird because I think that's because that's the film that's always played more out of the whole trilogy, maybe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on TV. Because it's got the best of all three in that movie where you've got the time jumping from three different decades, you know, and it's always the one that people go, oh, is that the one that was in the future? And then it was in the past and then it was in the present again. And so like, well, no back to future just took past in the 80s and the 50s. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that kind of um, stick, not stigma. That's the wrong word use, isn't it? It's um... the word I'm looking for
1: i don't know <laughs> um
2: no and i think few films like jurassic park for instance no one ever thinks of the lost world or the tv movie that was jurassic park 3 or <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> or the jurassic world films
1: um well sorry how are they i know how to yeah
2: hence <laughs> um... the sigh in my voice but you everyone when you mention jurassic park you just think of the first one yeah and it, with Terminator, like Jason said, I think when someone says Terminator, you automatically think T1000. Yeah. yeah. And T800 and John Connor as a kid. You don't ever, like Rich said, you you kind of almost forget. Maybe because it's in the zeitgeist that is as a whole rather than individual projects. These franchises are made as a one big piece now rather than their individual projects that spawned it. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone's. You say Sarah Connor to someone, they picture the Sarah Connor from Terminator 2.
1: You don't think the waitress, do you? You know, watching the news getting freaked out. The jack
2: to shit, like sunglasses wearing bulletproof vest wearing gun wielding badass. Yeah. You don't for once think of the early mid 80s shampoo advert hair (laughs) that she, you know, waitress who's working. Just jobbing around, you know. You don't think about that; you just think no. of the badass Sarah Connor. And yeah, in a way, I would say that the, the original is outshone by the sequel because maybe I'm not saying the second one was better; it improved on a few things, but they're just as good as each other. I think.
1: Because I mean, this, I just... the, the assault on the on the police station on the precinct is still just like
2: yeah. one of the greatest things yeah.
1: ever. Like, I just and yeah that. The first film is always going to have that, and you cannot yeah. beat that sequence. No.
2: And that car comes smashing through that front door, yeah. and the, the dodgy inflatable foam policeman that the car hits. <laughs>
1: I don't remember that.
2: <laughs> Honestly, watch, watch the Blu-ray and pause it, oh. or turn it to slow motion, and it—you got Yeah, it's awesome. It's a—it's a classic case of high definition being the worst villain in any movie that's made. Before the mid nineties. <laughs> oh,
0: oh yeah, oh uh, yeah. <coughs> well, if um, any of our dear listeners have any memories or stories they wish to share about Terminator Two, then please do so. We'd be very interested to to hear about them. You can do that um, on Twitter, which you can find us at Wolfie Pot. Guys, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to to talk to you about Terminator Two. Indeed.
2: Mm-hmm. been a great
0: one sure um, next week we are back to well we're not back but we're going into 1992 and back to the movies of that year the year of Wayne's World <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> finally time. Excellent. finally
0: um, if you've liked what you've heard then please give us uh, a review on your podcast service that would be very appreciated or even a subscribe it would be very lovely Um, Guys, if you've got nothing left to say, then we shall get ourselves out of here. Um, You have been listening to What's Wrong With Wolfie Discusses, a 90s podcast to the max. We'll be back.
3: baby.